the Women in Football podcast, bringing you on-field and off-field news, interviews, highlights, and things that matter about everything we love about football. Crosses back in, Will Yellup get them underway, and the captain, the crowd is cheering, the captain has got them off the mark. Hello and welcome to the Women in Football podcast. My name is Louise Taffer and I'm your host this evening. And joining me is Victoria Morton. Vicky, thank you so much for coming on the show. You're welcome. I'm looking forward to talking to you. As am I. And uh, I know you've been watching some football last night. Yes, I'm a little tired today. Um, England last night. My husband's English and of course we were going for them last night. And yes, right in the middle of the night, the Euros are pretty amazing at the moment. Oh, aren't they ever? The goals are just incredible. And just the storylines, you know, countries who you never thought would make it are are making it into the the knockout rounds and it's just unpredictable. Absolutely. And uh, it's been very exciting, I have to say. And I mean, the 4.30 or the 5am kickoff's not too bad, but that two o'clock in the morning one is a bit of a killer, I think. I know, especially when the games go for 90 minutes and then it, you know, creeps into 5 a.m. and it's like, well, do I go to sleep or do I just stay up? Decisions, tough decisions to be made around 5 a.m., that's for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, you're also on the board of Women in Football, which is very exciting, and you've been on it for quite some time now. How are you finding it? Yes, I've enjoyed it. We've had our challenges, but mostly we've managed to get on and do some really positive things with the group that we've had. So very happy to be on something that certainly raises issues, particularly for women who work and play football, yes. Mm. Absolutely. And speaking of working in football, you are the president of Tasmania's oldest and biggest MPL club. How long have you been doing that? And can you tell me a little bit about what club it might be? Sure. I probably should correct you because we're probably not the biggest and I think some of the others might have a go, but I am the president of South Hobart Football Club and we're 111 years old this year. So, uh, so perhaps still the oldest? Well, still the oldest, yes, and potentially uh, pretty. I think we're the second oldest Australian Association football club as well. So it's a pretty old club and I've been um, very privileged to, to be the president of that club for this is my 11th year. Wow. Yeah, and I've, I've had my moments of challenge, but I've, I've very much enjoyed it. It's a lovely club to be involved in. That's incredible. And mm. it's also incredible that the club has been going for so long. It's changed a lot over the years, of course. We're very much a community club at the moment. When I say that, we we have teams from all age groups, but we also play in the top tier of Tasmania football, so in the National Premier League, as, as far as we can go at the moment. I mean, I guess that gives you a really good topic of discussion with the A-League and perhaps a second division. Yes, indeed. And I'm the vice chair of the Australian Association of Football Clubs. And so I've also been involved in that conversation around trying to get particularly pathways for a lot of players in, in Australia in particular, but also Tasmania, because at the moment, our youngsters don't really have those pathways uh, into a higher league, because often if they're playing in the NPL already, they are already as far as they can go, as far as the the top tier goes. And that goes for both boys and girls. And it's um, always been something that's very disappointing for me that they have to leave our state at the age of 14, 15 or 16, whatever it might be, to go off to the the big island to try and um, play at a higher level. So it's really disappointing that that we haven't been involved in that national competition so far. And do you reckon that is probably the biggest challenge? Is it 
the, the location of Tasmania being so far away from, mm. I guess, the ma- the mainland? Well, in, in a way, no, because we're on the eastern seaboard. We're only an hour by plane to the eastern seaboard to Melbourne, a little bit further to Sydney, obviously, but the tyranny of distance is no worse than being in Perth or Adelaide or some of the, well, Brisbane for that matter, that have teams already. So I don't feel that's the case, We're also, which also puts us into that eastern shoreboard broadcast time zone. So that's pretty favourable. And and I've always felt that we deserve to be in a national competition. Whilst we might, there is also that negativity around the number of players that play in the state. And we've always got that conversation around, uh, are we an AFL state or are we a soccer state, for example? I think we're very much a um, football. Our code of football is huge down here. The participation levels are high, um, much higher than other codes, especially in the team base area and and I think we deserve to be considered for a contention in the national competition both W League and A League and Youth League. Absolutely and I mean you've had just to name a few players you've had a few players that have been raised in Tasmania and mm. moved to the A League and actually done really well and obviously the first one that comes to mind is Nathaniel Atkinson yes. and he's now part of that A League championship winning team Melbourne City and yes. he, he's been there for quite some time and he's mm. done really well. Mm. Well, well Nathaniel's a perfect example of a young kid that had talent but had to move away to prove it and I mean that's a huge issue for families you know do you leave and does a mum go there and look after to him and or does dad stay behind or do they all move and it's a, it's a really big issue and Daniel's to be congratulated for his determination I think to be actually and and bravery to go away at such a young age and persevere and uh, he's a credit to uh, Riverside Olympic which is his club in Launceston that he's come from he's done really really well and I think it's great to see him in the news and it would be brilliant to see other other players as well you know saying here we are we're Tasmanians we're good football players. And has the local media gotten around Nathaniel's win with the with Melbourne City? Strangely enough, they have. And when I say strangely enough, because we don't get much coverage of soccer, of the round ball game down here, particularly in Hobart. They do quite well in the north, in the northwest. They get quite a lot of coverage. I think the nature of the Mercury, you can still find five or six or seven or eight pages of AFL football and one little squishy article about our code, even though, you know, we might have reached national competitions. And, for example, my club has reached um, the FFA round of 32 of the FFA Cup three times and Devonport have reached it. I think they may have reached it one more time than us now, which is a bit bit of a bummer. But anyway, uh, they, they um, we, we have been on the front page of the Mercury twice in my 11 years, I think. And once was when we played Sydney United 58 in the NPL playoffs at the end of the season. And we were on the front page because it was an example of amateur players, you know, who went and did things at school, etc. during the daytime and all were pupils. And then up against Sydney United 58, who had quite a few professional XA league players or XNSL players or whatever it might have been. So it's been a, it's been an interesting one. And I think the other time we got we were on the front page was um, probably when we got into the first round when we were in the FFA Cup for the first time. So that was exciting. We've um, had a little bit of a checkered history with that. We've lost on penalties twice in the round of 32 and we were beaten once by Marconi. So um, it's been not our – we would love to advance beyond the round of 32, but we haven't yet. But it's an ambition of mine. Is hoping this season then? Well, no, we're not the representative this year. Sadly, Devonport won this year. However, you never know. Maybe next year. There's always next year. And it would be great if we managed to get two representatives rather than just the one in that competition because it's certainly – it's the – 
FFA Cup is a brilliant competition because it unites all levels of the pyramid and we don't feel left out in that case because it's exciting. We play different competition. We get to pit ourselves against mainland um, teams and, and see how good we are. Absolutely, and that's the magic of the cup, mm. as they say, mm. with all these beautiful storylines you hear that it's not the same old Melbourne City playing Sydney FC or you know Adelaide United playing mm. Melbourne Victory. And this is where we really unearth the younger talent and it's where they get to show mm. off their skills on the, on the national stage. Absolutely, and I think this year with COVID playing such a big part in the A-League, we got to see lots of young players rather than imports and they did really well. And I think the, the football was exciting and I think most people enjoyed it, which was good. Absolutely, and I think I've been one of the biggest advocates for youth across the past four to five years and I felt like this year was probably, you know, we, we were turning a point because, as you say, we, they were the clubs were using more younger players and you look at Melbourne City and they did have quite a, a young team mm-hmm. and it doesn't always have to be a really young team. You need a little bit of experience in there as well, but it's just more about giving the young players a bit of an opportunity so mm, they can work up that experience because I think what an eye-opener for me was the under-20 FIFA World Cup in Korea in, I think it was 2017 when I went and there are the players who were 20 or younger and here they were playing first-team football for PSG and Leipzig and you know, the list goes on. I think to myself, well, what are all the kids that are 20 in Australia doing? Mm. You know, they're on the bench for Melbourne Victory and not getting any minutes. So I think when I compared it like that, I thought, wow. Yes. People need to speak up and there has to be someone who's going to advocate for them Mm. and even the women, you know, but it's great to see that the W League, I think it's a little bit different because I guess the pool of talent is a little bit shallower and so then they're able to bring through even younger players like Mm. Mary Fowler and Kyra Cooney-Cross who made the women's Olympic team today, which was very exciting. Kyra's 19 and Mary's 18, which is yeah. just incredible. What an, what an experience for mm. them coming up. It is fabulous. And and I think uh, leading on from that discussion is the, is the second division, which has been mooted as, as well. And I think that's got a real place for bridging that gap between the NPL clubs and the, the A-League. And whilst we have no promotion relegation, we can still fill that gap with young players. And I know Graham Arnold's called for both men and women to have many more games. So I know that's one of the big failings down here. We just don't get enough games. And uh, to extend the season by playing more football is super important. I mean, my, my husband is an ex-Manchester United and ex-Busby Babe, and he tells the story of playing, and they would play 60 games in a season. And, you know, we're lucky if we play 25. And I don't know Absolutely. How, yeah, I don't know how we ever develop great players unless we have a lot more football to be played. And so... The original proposal by the AAFC was to have both a male and female second division competition and I still strongly believe that if you build a competition and you offer a really good level of competition, more girls, more young boys will get the opportunity to play and show what they can do and before you know it, they'll be playing, like you say, for PSG, for Ajax, for all over the world, which would be amazing. Mm. And I think that if Tasmania didn't make the expanded A-League as they're starting to broaden out, 
it would have to make the national second division. Well, I would hope so. There's a, there's still that negativity around the number of people that play, but I can tell you that Tasmanians are they love their live sport. They love supporting things that are Tasmanian. There's also that conversation around the islands split in half, the north and the south. I think we can bridge that gap that it's not very far, for goodness sake. I think it's only a couple of hours, you know, and uh, and I think that we would not struggle to get support. And if you build a club or if it's an existing club in the second division, I'm sure that we wouldn't have any trouble finding ways of attracting people. I mean, I'm also the president of our biggest junior association here and we have, you know, three and nearly 4,000 kids every Saturday morning who get out there and play football and there's girls only competitions in that and we have one third of our competition is female at the moment in that competition for the juniors and my own club in it itself has grown. We set the benchmark that we wanted 30% female participation. We've always been not great at that and we've grown it over the years and now we've already hit 34% and so we're so delighted with that and I, and I think if you offer competitions that are strong and fair, you're going to attract more players and it can only benefit everybody as far as that goes. And I just think to leave Tasmania out is, well, it's not a true, truly national competition in any kind of sport if we'd left out. And I must say there's a big push down here for an AFL team and, and I'm in favour of that as well. Why not? Good competition and at the top level for everybody is a really good thing. And how, how did you get into it all, Vicky? Oh, I started off, I had three sons who play and they all played as kids and uh, then I married into it when I married Ken. So he's an A-licensed coach. He's been coaching for 40 years and uh, we've just sort of, it's been our lives, it's grown into our lives and um, now now two of my sons have A-licenses and the other one has a C-license and is working towards a B-license. It's a little bit, if you know, you might as well join him because if you don't, then you're going to get left behind. So we all did that and we've had the most amazing sort of 15 years of being involved in football and the people that you meet and the things that you do are just become part of our life and it's really really wonderful and there's a great thriving community down here and we all know each other and we all know the referees and everybody all the presidents and we talk regularly and uh I mean, I have to say that since I've been president, I think there's only been one other female president that I've been able to talk to. I've found my male counterparts to be mostly supportive. We have, you know, the occasional sort of incident will happen where you think to yourself, hmm, I don't recall being part of that conversation. And uh, I think maybe the discussion was had in the urinal or something along those lines and I got left out. But mostly I'm treated very fairly and the conversations I have with them are very cordial and constructive. So I can't complain. I just would love it if there were more women, though, that were in leadership roles in football because I think we've got a lot to offer and, and it's it's seriously lacking if 51% of the population aren't represented in leadership roles in every area of life in Australia and, and I the think, world. I think we need that balance. Mm. I'm, not, I'm not all for having a whole female board, but I think that there needs to be balance because I feel like both men and women can offer quite a lot and especially when they join together. I think that you're right, we do need more women in those top leadership roles because we do lack it. So hopefully the next generation coming through and, you know, even people like yourself who are already uh, presidents of NPL clubs, hopefully they can make it through and keep going. So at least the younger gen have some sort of example and can say, well, 
I can see Vicky and she's a president of South Hobart, so I want to be like that. Yes. I'm going to strive to be like that. Mm. I, and, I, and I agree and uh, and I congratulate Football Tasmania. They've offered some female coaching scholarships this year for the first time. That's been really well accepted. I think they've had 14 nominations. That just assists with allowing young women to, or older women for that, many women really, to get involved in, in football. And the days of us being the... Um, the ones in the canteen or um, have gone. We're now doing lots more jobs, which are really interesting. And we, we actually don't want to be in the canteen. We want to coach and we want to manage and we want to be part of administration. And often most of us start because our kids are there or our brothers or might have played. And now it's becoming more and more we played ourselves. So I just think it's a very exciting time and I can just see it improving. I'm on boards and mandating that 40 you know, making sure that you have the right percentage of males and females on on all boards. And you're right, you're right, Louise. I think having a, a good balance is good. And there was one point in our history where we had mostly females on our board and we had to look around and we thought, no, we need to get a couple of fellas on here just for a bit of balance. <laughs> so um, we brought it back the other way. Uh, the other way. But um, certainly um, it's been a good learning curve over the last you know, 11 years or so. And I mean, I've been at my club for 18 years now. I absolutely love it. And I think mostly the, the community and the people are the most important thing about why I remain what, doing what I do and the families at play, of course. And that must be a rarity to have an almost all-female executive committee. Mm. Yes, it was at the time. And I remember, I don't know if you've read any of Joe Gorman's articles, or but Joe came down and wrote an article about, I think it was those women who run South Hobart. And uh, we did have a little bit of a giggle about it because uh, it was a very good article. And at the time, we did have a few men on the board, but there was another nine of us I think were female at the time and it was a very complimentary article and uh, he complimented us on the way we'd run the club and I think you're right I, I doubt there would be boards of NPL clubs that had that many females and in fact I, I can probably think of a few that still don't have enough so it would be really good to have more that's for sure. But that's great that you had enough you know women mm. who wanted to get involved anyway. Mm. Yeah I think it's a consultative process and you say you know you reach out to these people that you see and often it just is an invitation you know would you be keen to come and run the you know help give advice or run the football club or that's your area of expertise how can we go about making things better at the club and I've always found that both the men and women that have been on the board have been really really helpful in putting forward new ideas and uh, whether they be male or female. But it is something that I have enjoyed about women in football as well is the fact that there are women there who love football as much as me and and there are, of course, men as well But on the board. But the, but the women, are I can relate to that more because we've trod the same path. So it's been really interesting to actually be involved and talk to them and get advice and hear that they have some of the same issues that I do. And I guess because we are a bit of a minority, if you look at it like, that it's also so interesting to hear other women's journeys as to how they mm. got to where they are now like I'm fascinated by your story at the moment and it's just incredible to see how you how you've gotten to be you know the president of mm. South Hobart and also your journey along the way and you know your husband Ken mm. meeting him and the fact that he played at such big clubs like Manchester United. Mm. I must say that I, I can quite honestly say that I didn't want to be the president, but I was sort of given a bit of a shove by Ken and another one of our coaches who said, well, you've got to do it because I don't think anyone else is going to, you know, and it was a bit of a, oh, really, do I have to? And I was really quite apprehensive about taking on the role. I felt 
possibly that it was something that I wouldn't be able to do. But I think I've grown into the role and, and I've enjoyed it. And I think that's probably the problem, Louise, is that most women will look and go, oh, look, the, the men are doing it. It's something probably that I can't do because, well, I, I never played football. So it's not, wasn't my, I was a netball player, but I certainly was involved in clubs and knew about how to run a club, but it was just a little bit scary, but I was really pleased when I took it on. And I look back now and I think all those years ago when I said, no, I can't do it, I can't do it. And here I am still plotting away after all this time. So uh, it was, it's been an interesting time, that's for sure. And has it been easier over the 11 years to get more sponsors as you've grown into the role? Yeah, interestingly enough, my husband, Ken, I like to tease him and say that he's a minor celebrity because he's the one that gets the TV, you know, interviews and things for the promotion of the games. And he actually is really well known around Tasmania because he's been here for many years. He's played for and managed a number of clubs here. So he he's the face of the club probably. And we've managed to be quite successful with our sponsorship, which has been really good. We're an unusual club in that being an NPL club, we actually don't pay any of our players. So we put all our funds and our resources into our coaches. And that's why we've got so many, you know, A licensed coaches or whatever it might be. So uh, I think that that's a really good emphasis and particularly with women's coaching as well to try and get more girls involved, as I said. And and that can be a little bit difficult because the girls themselves look and go, well, if you look around Australia, most of the coaches have are males. So those role models are few and far between. So it's really good that they're stepping up as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there are only a handful of female coaches around the country, you Mm -hmm. know, like Ray Dower, Mm -hmm. Mel Andrietta, to name just a few. And I think Michelle Heyman is also doing some some coaching now to move into Mm -hmm. that almost life after football. So she's got a fullback, which is great to see. Mm, absolutely and I met Heather Garriock actually at the Football Writers Festival and I hadn't met her before but she was also someone that of course coached and now has a media role and also I think not necessarily ex-Matildas or ex-top level players but people who are passionate about the game because to be a good coach you don't actually have to have played the game I don't think you have to understand the game and maybe been a supporter of it and and a follower of it but not necessarily having played it because sometimes that doesn't quite work out 100% either but certainly um, that would be a really good way to go to have more females who are those people that people can aspire to be and I think that's really important. Absolutely. And I really hope that that doesn't get lost in the current environment with COVID because I know that there were some of the A licenses and B licenses that were put off. Mm. So hopefully they can still encourage the women to get involved in coaching because you don't always have to go into playing. I think women are given so many options now. They can be referees, they can be coaches, they can be physios, they Mm. can be Mm. presidents media personalities. So I think there's a real wide variety for for women on offer. And talking to some of the local referees in Canberra, I think there's also a bit of a deficit for referees because of the abuse that the younger gen get at that oh, grassroots level. Mm. And, and it's no different here. I mean, it's in an education process. You, Is it your daughter that's refereeing? Is it your son that's refereeing? Please, you know, you have to be, think about those kind of things, that's for sure. It is a tough gig being a referee. I don't think I could do it. No, Mm. I don't think I could either. No, no. But hopefully we, again, in the same breath, hopefully we can still get some some of the younger Mm. girls to, to get involved because 
I've known quite a few referees that have had amazing careers and they've been able to travel all over the world and all, all for being a referee, you know, they get to go to FIFA World Cups wow. and yeah. Asian Championships and it, it's great. You can do so much travel with football and I think that's another thing why I love it. And also, as you say, all the people you meet, it's a real football family. It is, absolutely. It's really going back to women in football because we've talked about that at, at length as well, about you know making sure that there are women represented at all parts of, of the game. And certainly those leadership roles, I think, are them super important because you need a point of view, everybody's point of view, and women have a different point of view than men often or they can add something that's really good. And I think um, you know one of the things that we that we talked about at Women Football and we, we've raised, and I know we have problems because of COVID having to pause our competitions and our cups and things that we wanted to have, but we're looking for people to um, nominate for volunteer roles, with, you know, for the awards, for the best volunteers, young people who are into football and need to be recognised. And we don't do that enough. Well, one of the things we don't do in Tasmania enough either, and I probably is with football everywhere, is we don't recognise those people that do put all that extra time in. And I know one of the things that a, a girlfriend and I down here have started, she's a photographer, we've started something called Football Faces Tasmania, and we just like to write a little article about people that work behind the scenes that are, don't get any recognition and we put up once a month we'll put up a little article and acknowledge and that's been really well accepted and that's for both men and women and it's like life if you give somebody a pat on the back and tell them what a great job they're doing then that's something sometimes all they need so I think that the idea that we came forth with the awards is going to be really really good for just giving those people those special people who have done great work and I, I think if anybody knows anybody they want to nominate I think our nominations are still open aren't they I think Louise at the moment absolutely yeah. and thanks to the support of the new south wales government we will be having the women in football awards for the first time oh, wow. and you yeah. touched on we'll have the volunteer of the year we'll have a media award and also an emerging leader and nominations for those categories close on the 30th of july at 6 p.m australian eastern standard time so please submit your nominations and head to the Women in Football website for more information about that. Mm. I'll be giving some thought to who I need to nominate from down here. So I hope everybody that's listening to this will go ahead and find people from all over Australia who who are worthy uh, nominees. It would be something that we could do that just seems a little something special that we can uh, for those people that are up and coming as well, I think would be good. Absolutely. Well, Vicky, thank you so much for chatting to me. It's been a pleasure to hear your story and I look forward to speaking to you again sometime soon. Thanks, Louise. I've enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to the Women in Football podcast. We're a registered charity focused on eliminating the grass ceiling in the beautiful game. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe. Visit womeninfootball.org.au or follow us on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram. 